The Global Detection Adventures podcast is made possible only by the support of Black ADA. Their advanced digging aids are created exclusively for metal detecting by metal detectors. This is Lance, and I own a Black ADA Extended Invader, and I cannot express enough how great their spades really are. They are extremely robust, made using heavy weld seams to reinforce the joints. They're extremely well designed for multiple types of digging, from the lawn to the beach, woods to farm fields. Each of the eight different spades will be a welcome addition to every metal detector's arsenal. I personally used to go through about two to three spades a year that I would get at the local hardware store. But the quality was just not there because the shaft would break or bend or the shovel welds would fail. But believe me, I have not stopped loving this spade since the day my wife gave it to me as a gift almost a year ago. So go to www.blackada.com and check out their selection and see for yourself. That is blackada.com. All one word. Now, let's get on with the show. Coming to you from the Black Adia Studio in Germany and the Global Detection Adventure Studio in Green Bay, Wisconsin, it is Lance and Dave, and this is Global Detection Adventures, the podcast. Well, hello everybody, my name is Lance. Uh, unfortunately, Dave is not going to be available to join us today. Uh, he's currently on vacation in New York, so I'm wishing him a good time. He's going to be listening in uh, later on as he downloads the, the podcast. Uh, I want to go ahead and invite anyone that is listening to go over to the Global Detection Adventures Facebook group and go ahead and feel free to uh, come in and communicate with us, ask us any questions. This is our first podcast. It's live streaming as, uh, as I'm talking to you right now. So there's going to be mess-ups, there's going to be errors, so... Please bear with me. This is our first full run-through, and uh, so it's only going to get better from here, so let's just go ahead and move forward. Today, I got a very special guest from Gulwa, Australia, uh, inside the mining industry uh, down there. His name is Cliff Wiley. He's uh, a metal detector and a gem hunter, and I believe he even goes out into the into the outback itself and looks for gold. So, welcome to you, Cliff. Hey, Lance, how are you? Doing good. Yourself? Yeah, fantastic. Thanks. Uh, I hope the weather down there is treating you a lot better than it is up here in uh, Germany. Uh, we, we've had a really wet winter up here, so it's been a pretty bad time. Yeah, uh, it's starting to cool down a little bit this week, but the uh, week before it was around 35 to 40 degrees. Ed, well, got John on here, John Holden Smith. He's just saying good day and welcome to Cliff. Well, thanks, uh, thanks for coming in, John. Yeah, so Cliff, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you are in the mining industry, so exactly uh, what is it that you do down there? Uh, well, well, I live at Goolwar. I, I do mainly flying, uh, flyout work. Uh, currently, I'm working at a, a place. Uh, pretty close to Wagga Wagga. It's um, a little place called Adelong. Uh, it's a gold mine there. Uh, still under construction. Uh, that's, I guess my job is to uh, assist with the construction and give them some uh, operational detail on how you know, things are supposed to be set up and, and work. Uh, but I've been doing uh, this sort of thing, I guess, for 
almost 35 years now. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, started, uh, oh, in tin, actually, tin mine uh, in Tasmania. So, and worked in gold, copper, and lead zinc. Yeah, several different minerals. So. Yeah, yeah. And you ever go down there and just want to kind of pocket a little bit of that dust that, as it comes out? <laughs> Not really. No, <laughs> uh, uh, thing is, you know, if you're gonna, if, as far as gold goes, if you're gonna try and steal that, you've got to make it worthwhile. Go for about you know ten or twenty million dollars worth because you're gonna be on the run for the rest of your life. Makes sense to me. So there you go for anybody uh, who wants to get into the mining industry. If you decide to steal some gold from the the mines, make sure it's at least twenty million dollars worth. Yeah. The thing is, uh, people's jobs are far more valuable. You can, you can earn more money than what you can uh, steal in gold value. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, as far as detecting itself, you. Uh, I've noticed that you've gone out and you use your detector to actually go scan for gold nuggets out in the, the desert down there? Oh, yeah. Um, Tipperborough is probably, uh, well, that's uh, an interesting area. And there's quite quite a, uh, an array of gold there in different areas. If people want to have a look on, uh, say, Google, Google Map, mm -hmm. uh, you'll see some areas that look like it's got uh, snow on it. That's actually quartz. Yeah. Uh, that's the sort of areas where you go and find uh, gold. Yeah. A lot of the larger stuff's gone, uh, but uh, I know one particular chap who spent 10 days there and uh, he ended up with around an ounce and a half. So that's not too bad. So how much How much would that uh, approximately come to as far as worth? US, uh, that's about probably $1,800. Oh man! Wow, that congratulations on that one. That that would just <laughs> drive me insane. I would be flipping out. Yeah, the um, yeah for for a lot of people, uh, gold has a tendency to be usually in a large quartz area. Um, when you watch TV shows and stuff like that, and they're talking about veins of gold, usually what they're doing is they're following a large vein of quartz that goes through a mountain. And usually, sometimes, uh, most of the time, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, the gold itself is usually within the quartz. Uh, something in the process caused the two to kind of link together somehow. Is that is that correct? Uh, yeah, it is. Um, it's mainly through uh, volcanic activity. Yeah. Any gaps within the quartz, uh, the gold will normally be injected into it. Um, and you find a lot of ironstone in the area as well. So ironstone, something that you also look for. Yeah, we got a lot of we got a lot of people uh, in uh, Australia that are members of the Global Detection Adventures group on Facebook, and uh, yeah, we don't want to give up too much detail as to where you're out there gold hunting, so we can make sure <laughs> that you uh, keep all your all your little treasures. Uh, you also do gem hunting. Is that usually in the same area as well? Uh, no, they're different areas. Uh, there's an area not too far from where I'm working at the moment, so when I get a day off here, I'll slip up to a, a place called Wee Jasper, which uh, it's about uh, probably 70 kilometres from here. 
So it's not too far, uh, but it's um, a very slow drive. It takes about an hour and a half to get there due to uh, the dirt road and windy conditions getting up there. Yeah. Well, I want to apologize right offhand for uh, some background noise. I got a sick cat in my studio who's suffering from a cold right now. And uh, yeah, we got to get him over to the vet on Monday. So you might be hearing a, a cat sneezing every once in a while in the background. Unfortunately, my microphone is way too good and it's picking up everything. So, so yeah, you're going to be going out. Uh, it's uh, about, you said about 75 miles from your location? Yeah, about, about 75 kilometers, you know, I suppose. That's about uh, 45, 50 miles. Uh, it's, quite, it's quite steep going up there, and uh, although cars can get up to onto the road okay, uh, where I go, it's off sort of off the beaten track a little bit. So you need a four-wheel drive. Yeah, I don't even know how it's the the term is actually fossicking. It was something that uh, you coined for the first time that I had heard it. Um, fossicking, I guess, is a British and Australian term for gem hunting, uh, which isn't commonly used in the United States. So, uh, but yeah, the this is is this the same area where you found the sapphires that you had cut and set into rings? Uh, no, it wasn't. I. Really, uh... I found them uh, up at a town called Rubyvale, that's up in Queensland. Uh, it's about 30 kilometres east of uh, Rubyvale. Uh, I actually went on a uh, tag-along tour because I hadn't done it before and uh, learned how to, how to find sapphires. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, the sapphires that I found there, I uh, actually sent them to a uh, place in Thailand and had them cut there. Yeah. So a lot cheaper to get it done there, and uh, they were sent back about well, probably three three months later, uh, and they've done a wonderful job of them. Yeah, I just shared uh, a link on the group. Uh, people can check it out. It's uh, the video about the the rings that you had done, so they can go ahead and uh, check that out and uh, see them. But they're beautiful rings, really well done. Yeah, unfortunately, when I was uh, putting that together. I used a fluoro light for lighting, and uh, the picture quality is not that great. Oh, well, it looks <laughs> it, it looks good to me. Okay, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah. So I just bought the blank blank jewelry uh, off a place called Aussie Sapphires, and uh, it, you can buy it um, for different size stones. So you've got to measure your stones up, uh, and I just set them into the. Yeah. yeah, so you basically had the stones cut, you said, in Thailand? Yes. And then you bought the rings themselves and then brought them in, brought both into a jewelry store near you and had them set that way? No, I set them myself. Oh, you did set them yourself? Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. respect on that one. Yeah, yeah looking at uh, the photos, they, they're actually really beautifully done. Yeah. Uh, you would have had a bit of a laugh if you had been watching it, because every time I tried to put them in there, my sausage fingers, <laughs> they, uh, the uh, stones would would fly out at a rate of knots and then hit the tiled floor, and I'd be searching around on the floor trying to find it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, it would take a jeweler 
So what would take a jeweler probably five minutes took me about probably an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's the uh, the end result is a lot more. You have a lot more pride in the end result because uh, uh, you actually uh, created this yourself. I mean, besides cutting the jewelries, besides cutting the gem, uh, you actually created them, and so the pride it just goes a lot higher. Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, I've done two. I've, I've, I've got a, another six at home that are cut. Uh, the next one I'll do, I've got three granddaughters, and I'll receive the first three. Okay. Um, John, John Holden Smith, or Hilton Smith, excuse me, I didn't mean to butcher your name there. Uh, he has a question, what's the best advice that you can give them for a mid-level gold prospectors? Uh, I'm not too sure about what he means by mid-level. Uh, is that a mid-level uh, detector? I use uh, an SDC 2300, uh-huh. uh, which is a mine lab uh, detector. It's a pulse induction. It's a little bit different to the VFL units that you use for uh, coins. Uh, the the, the timing on that is set for fine gold. A lot of the, you've got to realise a lot of the larger nuggets have been found um, because there's been a lot of detecting being done. Yeah. Um, so what's left is fine nuggets. Um, my the smallest nugget that I found is 0 0.04 grams. Oh wow! So it's very sensitive. Uh, and that particular nugget, we, you could barely call it a, a nugget, but uh, that was only about an inch below the, the surface. But I found it. And how big is how big is the coil that's on the pulse induction that you use? Eight inch. Eight inch. And it's an eight inch coil. Now, as yeah. far as coils itself does, the size of the coil make any any kind of a difference? Because I've seen some. Um, Prospectors using a smaller coil to try and cover. I guess the smaller coil might create a, a more fine signal. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how it works. I've never done any prospecting myself. Okay. The, uh, the smaller coils are really good for getting in between the rocks, and they also um, find smaller gold. The larger the coil, the deeper it will go, but it'll miss the small the small gold. And that's true. It'll pick up the, it'll pick up the, the big nuggets, though, and uh, at greater depth. Okay. If I hope that I hope that might uh, settle some of John's questions. If you have any more, feel free to ask ask away. There's uh, I know what the prices are in Australian dollars. Yeah. Uh, you can pick one of those up brand new for around uh, three thousand eight hundred to four thousand dollars. And that's for the uh, detector itself. That's for the detector itself. Uh, the another reason with good one is uh, the GPX. Let's say uh, forty-five hundred. Uh, you can buy different coils for that. Unfortunately, the, the, the uh, detector I have, the SDC twenty-three hundred, it has a uh, a fixed coil. You can't change it out, but uh, it is waterproof. You can actually take it in you know, to rivers, 
uh, and fully submersive. So if you wanted to, you could actually go diving. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, uh, so, so you can do a lot only, of stream hunting as well. Yeah. It's only waterproof to about three meters. Uh, but uh, you're probably not going to find a lot of gold. Uh, any deep in that anyway. Start to uh, get into quite deep territory then. Uh, you said that the, the, the good detectors, you are using the SSA 2300, you said? Uh, SDC. The SDC twenty three hundred and the GPX forty five hundred is also a good one. Yeah, all the there's a there's the forty five hundred, which is around the same price. Yeah, uh, five thousand. The GPX five thousand is probably uh, uh, better, uh, but you pay a few more dollars for it. Yeah, um, they've also got a GPZ seven thousand, and Maybe I should say that US GPZ uh, <laughs> uh, seven thousand, uh, and that's that, when they first were released. They were ten thousand seven hundred dollars. Ten thousand seven hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that means uh, that if I ever did that, I'd have to uh, run out and be prospecting all the time. I don't think my wife would let me live it down that I just spent that much money <laughs> on a metal detector. That's a lot of money, and you've got to be taken it serious. But they've sold quite a few, so, and people are finding gold with them. Uh, John says that he uses the SDC 2300. He's found plenty of gold with it, but sometimes he worries about the depth it gets. Uh, what was the deepest nugget that you found using the SDC? Uh, about six to eight inches. The SDC doesn't go deep. Okay, yeah. Well, there you go, John. Uh, we got about 10 minutes left on live time. Unfortunately, I guess they cut it down from 45 okay. minutes to about 30. Um, but like I said, this is our first test run. I'm hoping that all the audio and everything is running good for everybody. So please let me know. Um, as far as metal detecting itself, do you also use your pulse induction uh, metal detectors for relic hunting and everything else? Yeah, the difference is with uh, pulse induction is you can't uh, uh, exclude iron or anything else. So it, it detects every piece of metal. And so you've got to, if you use it, and I have used it on the beach, yeah. uh, you've got to be prepared to dig everything. Is is was that the one that you used when you found that really nice uh, ring on the beach? No, I used. Uh, I've got an Xterra uh, seven hundred five, which is another mine that detector. Yeah, yeah. I, I was using that on the beach. What's uh What's the best find that you've ever found? Uh, relic hunting. Relic hunting. Probably. Uh, this was actually. Was, I was using the uh, Xterra. Before I had the SDC, I was out in the gold fields looking for gold and found an 1845 Frippens. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, there was some poor old digger out there that uh, went hungry for a day. Yeah. yeah. Just a second. The um, well, it sounds like it sounds like John says everything seems to be going through really good, which is really good. Uh, 
Like I, like I was telling everybody, uh, there's going to be issues for the first couple couple shows. Um, I'm just making sure that everything's running, that all the sound is is good, that my voice isn't too high, that that I got uh, Cliff coming through nice. Um, yeah, so uh, we got a lot of, like I said, I think John is from uh, Australia. Also listening in from Australia is Jacob. Um, yep. From down there, he's chatting with us on Facebook as as this is happening. I know Jacob does a lot of beach hunting. Do you prefer beach hunting or do you uh, go to uh, older areas, you know, where there might be some historic significance? Uh, where I live, it's pretty difficult. I have um, found some things like pennies and like pre decimal currency. Yeah. Uh, but there's nothing really close to where I live. Uh, where I'm currently working, there's probably a few good spots here because it's an older area. But uh, Australia, we've got to remember, was only really settled by the Europeans um, after 1776. Uh, really, uh, yeah, basically the largest group of them started coming in in the 1800s, early 1800s. Yeah, yeah. So we haven't got the history that we have in Europe. Uh, I'm a bit jealous of you too. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't found uh, much of the history over here yet. I mean, I've been able to go back to 1800. I might have broken into the 1500s with a uh, the tip to a crossbolt arrow, but I haven't. That's one of those things that I can't really date. Um, mm. But otherwise. Uh, my datable relics haven't been able to go past 1800, which was the silver coin that I found in the one video. Yeah. There's one thing that people need to do, I guess, uh, is do a lot of research before you go and detect an area. Uh, that could save you a lot of time, uh, a lot of grief as well, or embarrassment in one, one place that I went to. Yeah. I, uh, I won't mention the beach, but... Uh, I went down on the beach to do some detecting down there and uh, worked out very quickly that it was a, uh, a moody beach. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I turned around fairly quickly and got out of there. <laughs> yeah, that would have been, uh, yeah, I guess they might have been swinging the, the wrong kind of detectors down there. <laughs> yeah, so uh, even check the beaches before you wander on there. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that doing research, uh, especially around here, uh, I'm currently working on finding the areas where the U.S. military stayed overnight prior, uh, the night prior to actually invading the town where I live. And um, I've found the areas now for me is just a matter of getting permission because every single one of the areas is now a farm field and it's all privately owned. So now... I got to find the owners of it, and it's proving to be more hectic than anything else. I uh, just had a question come in from Jacob. He wants to know what you think about the Xterra's prospecting feature. Uh, the prospecting feature on the 705, um, it's very difficult in a lot of our gold fields because there's uh, mineralized ground there, and by that, I mean when you go into prospecting mode on the detector, uh, it'll pick up any iron or anything like that, so it's, uh, yeah, it's the mineralization. It just has to be like chaffer chloride or something like that, and it'll start to pick it up. Oh, good. Yeah, they're, um, yeah, they, 
it kind of makes sense. I mean, if there's any kind of, even if it's uh, iron ore or anything in the ground, it'll be picking that up as well? Yeah, it does. Whereas the pulse induction, different type of uh, unit, yeah. will not pick that up. Can you can you set the pulse induction to detect certain types of metals, or is it only set for uh, basically a single kind? Uh, it'll pick up, like, the worst day I had uh, was, I did find a piece of gold, but I also found 42 pieces of lead shot. So. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess, I guess uh, they are not far from each other on the periodic table, so I guess that kind of makes sense. True, yeah, but I found uh, boot tacks, uh, yeah, all, all types of uh, metals. I found a hair slide. I used SDC on the beach one time and found uh, a hair slide uh, about eight inches down. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. It's all fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're running down to about three minutes left in the show, everybody. Um, now, Cliff, you also have a channel on YouTube. Uh, would you go ahead and share? What's your YouTube username so people can look you up? Yeah, Coyote Rider. Coyote Rider on YouTube. Yep. Uh, yep. The reason that is is because of my last name, uh, Wiley Coyote. I've had that nickname since I was about five. Uh, and Rider, because I love riding motorbikes. I've got a, well, I did have a couple of motorbikes. I sold one of them now. But yeah, still got another one. Yeah. Uh, you can actually see uh, you writing off pretty much and the beginning of every single one of your videos that are on YouTube. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I guess it, it must be a great bunch of fun driving around in the uh, in the outback and everything else in Australia. That just, to me, sounds like it would be a blast. Yeah, yeah. Ah, it is. It's great fun. see a lot of the countryside, too, don't I? Yeah, I could just imagine. I could just imagine. I know that uh, I believe it's you. Uh, you like driving around, and I've seen some of the photos of just some crazy things that you've noticed driving around on your motorcycle. Uh, trees with <laughs> bras on it. Was yeah, one of them yeah. a termite mound made out to look like a snowman? Uh, no, it was Santa Claus. Oh, that's it. That's that's what it was. It was Santa Claus. <laughs> And I believe yeah. there was there was some other ones like a trash tree and just some crazy stuff that you got, you've been showing. Uh, a computer tree, a boot tree, a hat tree. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's one of the things that I love about Global Detection Adventures. We're, we're mostly about metal detecting, but the detection can be anything. You detect anything in your country or where you're from, then please feel free to share it with us. Everybody, everybody enjoys really seeing that stuff. So, yeah, let me, uh, we'll go ahead and start winding this down. Um, we got about a minute left on the show. Uh, I'd like to go ahead and thank everybody for listening in, John and Jacob, who were interacting with us, and anyone else who was listening in. Um, I'll be posting the links where you can download this onto the Global Detection Adventures Facebook group. And once it becomes available on iTunes, which... Uh, it will be at some point. I'll go ahead and also post the link to that so anybody using the iPhone or an iPod, iPad, an Apple computer, whatever it is, uh, they can go ahead and download our podcast for free. 
once that podcast is up and running, uh, I'll also share the link on iTunes for it, and you can go ahead and just simply subscribe to us there, so whenever a new one comes out, you can automatically get it downloaded. Um, basically, I'd like to thank Cliff for coming in and joining me this this for this, I guess you could call it the groundbreaking episode. Yes, thank you very much for inviting me along. And I know John is thanking you as well for the advice as far as detecting and prospecting. So you can feel free to contact me on Facebook as well if they want any questions answered, if I can answer them. Yep, feel free to contact them there. So that'll do it for us from the Black ADA Studios in Germany. This is Lance. Thank you. At American University, we don't just hope for change. We create it. We don't just dream of a better world, we make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout DC to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash gradschool.